Welcome to Fill to Flourish with Luke and Lauren, where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hey guys, as you're listening to this episode, consider if this resonates with you, particularly with your upbringing and your story of your childhood. As Flourish Therapy is launching a new group uh, on August 19th called Regulate and Recover, particularly for those who have had unhealthy childhoods and connecting how our unhealthy childhood dynamics overflow into our adult lives and relationships and well-being. So we'd love to invite you to this group. It's six weeks long and all the details are on social media. So check it out, message us, email us if you have any questions, and we would love to connect you with those details and have you join the group. Welcome back to all of our listeners. It's so good to be back. And we're excited because this is actually our first time in a long time that it's just me and Lauren here today. And it's our first time, just the two of us recording a video call on a video. So this is kind of fun and exciting. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about healthy commitment and toxic loyalty. So what are the difference between having toxic loyalty and healthy commitment? Because sometimes when we have toxic loyalty, we actually think it's healthy commitment. And we want to talk with talk through some of the characteristics that differentiate those things and also how we fall into toxic loyalty without even knowing it and without even wanting it sometimes. So that's today's topic. And so we're going to jump in. Yeah, we are. Um, It is good to be back in this casual, haven't planned for hours what we're saying, what we're talking about. When we finished the webinar series on finding your way back, that took a lot of, of work and preparation. And now we're just back to our, our, just let's talk about this. This matters. We have a lot of um, experience and insight into this, but we don't have this scripted conversation. We're just going to go for it. And that's, there's something really fun about the energy of that. And I do love your mustard yellow shirt. I'm not sure you can see it on the video, actually. Luke hasn't ever had a mustard yellow shirt, right? No. This well, is big. This feels big. not a, not if you haven't bought me a yellow mustard shirt before, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't buy clothes. <laughs> no, you really don't. I think I started that when we were teenagers. I literally was just like, "Oh, this shirt would be so cute on you," and you're like, "I okay. like do you like it," and you're like, "I don't know. Do you like it? You, you like it? As <laughs> long as my girlfriend or wife likes it. Well, girlfriend then, wife yes. now likes you it. Didn't, you didn't have a girlfriend and wife at the same time." <laughs> Nope. That's good. Yeah. Such an Enneagram nine, just so going with the flow, but you have mustard yellow on and I, I don't think the video, it almost looks brown. So I just oh. I feel like this needs to be remembered today. Okay. I'm so proud of you branching out and wearing, you had like salmon pink on last week. Yeah. yeah. That's another, uh, you also bought that because <laughs> you buy my shirts. <laughs> it's true. So basically any color I buy you, you're going to wear. Wow. As long as you say it looks good on me. Wow. Yeah. You trust me a lot. I do. Is that toxic loyalty? Well, it's just healthy <laughs> commitment. Let's <laughs> let's dive in now and find out. Okay. Okay. So we did put together some characteristics of each of those two different 
to different systems, to different ways of relationships. So we'll start with healthy commitment because it's always good to start with the, the, the right one and then contrast it with the one that's uh, different. So healthy commitment uh, would consist of things like having autonomy and choice, choice to stay, choice to go, choice to be in the relationship. Individuation, the two parties are separate. They're connected, they're interdependent, but they're separate and they have separate desires, separate needs, um, separate opinions, lots of separateness while being together in a relationship. And this can be friendships, this can be work relationships, marriage relationships. Um, these two elements could be in any type of relationship essentially. Okay, so then having agency, being able to have boundaries and have boundaries uh, respected, respecting the other person's boundaries. These are all characteristics of healthy commitment. Reciprocity. We're going to talk a lot about reciprocity today um, because it's a key characteristic that is in healthy commitment that is not in toxic loyalty. And then there isn't going to be the pattern is important with healthy commitment. It's not going to be a perfect relationship. It's not right. going to be consistently healthy, but the patterns of engagement are towards the healthy commitment side and not the toxic loyalty side. Right. Now I don't know if you've, if you've mentioned this one, but just like that different difference of opinions, I think you've said something about having a different opinion or being able, but just having, being able to share things and see things differently and it being okay. Mm -hmm. um, like not liking a mustard shirt. Just kidding. So do you not like your mustard shirt? <laughs> I do. Okay. But that's just like, that um not having to have that have a same opinion on everything so there's again i think you said something about that but that's really important in a healthy commitment or a healthy relationship is the commitment isn't dependent on whether you agree with me or not or whether you think like me or not mm. i think that's important yeah yeah because we see that as a strong driving force in toxic loyalty right right and the discomfort of difference drives people to demand sameness, right. which is so toxic in a relationship <laughs> to demand, essentially to demand anything. Everything yeah. we bring to the table in a relationship needs to be willing and needs to be choice driven, right. yep. not coercively driven. I love that. I mean, I also hate it. What if, the other side of it. <laughs> so should I talk about toxic loyalty? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So some characteristics of toxic loyalty would be um, codependency, which we'll talk about in more detail soon. Enmeshment, which is similar to codependency. Coercive conditioning. So uh, a good friend of ours, she introduced us to this term. You probably heard the term trauma bond, um, which is like a closeness that's come through trauma, typically from one person to another. However, course of conditioning is a better way to describe this because the person is responding with this loyalty, um, with this, I have to be here, I have to do this, I have to care for them, I have to enable them, I have to, have to, have to. That's because they've been coercively conditioned to that system, whether it be mm -hmm. in a marriage, in a faith system, politically, they've been conditioned to think oh, I have to be loyal no matter what. And it yeah. creates a closeness, but it's a 
it's um, all built on the coerciveness of the relationship. It's not a genuine safe closeness. And would you agree that like a lot of times there's a power differential of the coercions happening with the people in power and so the people without the power in order to be accepted or included yeah. or not alienated, then you have to agree to these sets of beliefs. And as long as you do, then you can be within this, mm. uh, which also probably touches is a attachment mm. relationship there. Totally. If you have an insecure attachment, you're going to want to find security, acceptance, inclusion in any community. Right. And it helps that, okay, if I agree with, let's say like 60% of something, I get into, I get into that group and then there's that course of uh, conditioning conditioning that maybe takes us that rest of that mm. that way because if I because like a lot of that is autonomic like with attachment if I don't whether we're conscious of it we know based on experience and watching what happens to people who don't stay in line right and if we don't stay in line then we get uh, embarrassed alienated use as an example, we don't want that. That's not, that doesn't create safety for our, our bodies of trauma attachment. And so we step in line. Mm. And also with attachment, we've, <laughs> we have probably practiced that from our, our, our relationships with our parents. Mm -hmm. Like you have a choice, have a voice, don't have a relationship, have a relationship, but don't have a voice. And when we, a lot of times we, we see this, like, like you said, um, whether it's uh, politically, spiritually, family, friends, jobs, we see what happens to people who don't walk that line. Yeah. Yep. And that activates that attachment part and says, oh, I remember this. Our bodies jump into survival mode and say, mm -hmm. we know what we can, we need to stay safe which highlights the exploitation of people in positions of power, exploiting those genuine needs that humans have to have right. purpose, to have belonging, to have yeah. meaning within a group of a social circle. Hmm. And they might not even know this consciously, but that's what they're exploiting. They, I mean, like they might not know the psychology behind it, but right. when, when you when you create a system where there has to be agreement and sameness and uh, loyalty, you're playing on those needs that you're explaining that people have to have a healthy, not healthy, to have to be attached to people, to belong, to be connected. Right. And so it just, it highlights even more the exploitation of systems that, that where toxic loyalty lies. Yeah. Um, and and whether they know they're playing on that, they're still responsible for that dynamic. Absolutely. And where we see a lot of toxic loyalty also is where emotional health <laughs> is minimized. Right. And for so sure. again, whether it's intentional or not, why is that? Because when there's emotional health, when there's healthy commitment, where in individuation is encouraged, where uh, fluidity of thought is encouraged, where questions are encouraged, what happens when somebody comes into a toxic, a system that requires toxic loyalty, they get exposed, mm. they get challenged. 
uh, whether it's the leader gets exposed, the system gets exposed, the thought, the way of thinking gets exposed. And an unhealthy system can't risk being exposed. Mm. And so how do you stop a system, a broken system, an unhealthy system from being exposed? Get rid of the people that challenge it. Minimize or defame the process, the tools that encourage people to to heal, to to think, to think, grow, yeah. And then, if you get rid of those things, so so I want to be accepted. Well, I don't feel safe. Well, safety is well in the toxic loyalty systems. Like safety is a feeling. It's an experience that is dependent on you and you can't trust yourself mm. because the bigger system is more important. Mm. You are no, you're not more important than the system is. Right. Cause there's a bigger goal, uh, desire to achieve something than your safety mm-hmm. and safety is also mental health. So mm. therefore it's negated. Mm-hmm. And if I can, and if the system that says safety is good is wonky is not scientific is you mean if they're if they're portraying it as that right if they're portraying it as that and teaching it as that no too scientific i think would be what they'd say some some systems would say yeah. too scientific yeah and some systems or, would say, yeah yeah i see what you're saying like like maybe a religious system would say that's too scientific mm-hmm. other maybe other systems would say that's too soft emotion based yeah and so if you're uh, being pulled to that, but their teaching is it's wrong, it's not accurate, it's not scientific enough, or it's too scientific and too humanistic, then be like, oh, I don't want to be like that. Right. So it must be I have to get ignore these, these feelings. Yes. And that's where that, that conditioning happens, that the conditioning happens of you have to align to this. So therefore you have to throw out that. Mm-hmm. And that's where censorship comes in and, oh, we're going to, we're going to give you the books to listen to the music or the books to read the music, yeah. to the people to be around the people that you deem intelligent and all the other ones are deemed stupid. You know, there's these ways of othering right. that these systems, including down to the small family system um, creates by the culture of the system to uh, like you're saying, un- invalidate everything mm-hmm. else besides the system. Yeah. And it's yeah. effective. It's very, very so effective. effective. I've even heard people say, like, you can't think that way. That's that's wrong or that's stupid. Like, that's not intelligent to think that way. Because right. people who think that way, they don't understand this, this, and this. Well, I don't want to be stupid. Right. So yeah. I can't think that way. Or... This person who we respect thinks this way. So it must be, I have to think that way also. Yeah, totally. So this kind of brings to the the thing we wanted to talk about of the trauma before the trauma, Mm -hmm. when you had brought up attachment. So often traumas later in life, we were primed for by traumas earlier in life. Right. And so the trauma before the trauma, why don't you explore like, what is the trauma before the trauma often in a general sense that sets someone up to- to be vulnerable, to be in a system that requires their toxic loyalty. 
yeah, I, I think I mentioned it even a little bit already of that a child be giving that choice of um, either basically choose the system, the family system, the, the happiness of mom or dad, and get rid of those, those questions, those gut feelings, those emotions. Like, well, well, when you said that, mom, you, you hurt me. You can't say that because then mom will be upset. So the system is more important than how you feel or how what we said to you made you feel. So that's the trauma. So that's the experience of I have to abide by the rules, spoken and unspoken, in order to be accepted into this toxic loyalty. I can't cha challenge the family system of how we handle conflict. And as a three-year-old, you're not thinking challenging, but as you become like a 15-year-old, maybe you're like, hey, this isn't right. But you've already been conditioned that you know what happens if you challenge it. And so that's the trauma before the trauma. Or there's spiritual abuse. You go to church every Sunday, and what are you told? You're told a certain teaching. And this is right. This is, the Bible teaches this. And so therefore you have to accept this because if you don't, what does that mean? That means you don't trust God. That means you don't trust the pastor. That means you don't, your faith is weak and you can't have a weak faith. And so you have, that, that toxic loyalty is you have to believe what is being taught to you because if you don't, these are the consequences. Mm -hmm. And so fear is used a lot. Fear relationally, community-wise, or like religious situations, it's even eternity. Yeah. Um, politically, it's the people who are like you, mm -hmm. the people you are connected with, the people you are have similarities with, the people you have a, similar experiences with. If you don't agree with us, then you are no longer accepted. That could be a bigger system, family system, even religious system. So some of these traumas are, or the traumas before the traumas, I've seen what happened to other people and it has created fear within me. So I've had to adapt to make sure that I find safety as a kid where I don't have power. But as you become an adult, you feel the same experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so it's not like if that trauma has not been healed you have, if you haven't found safety, if it hasn't been confronted, then you're still as an adult, still feeling powerless and hopeless to the system and feeling like you can't challenge it. And so you're stuck, you're powerless, you have no agency and the risk of community and relationship is there. Totally. Does that explain, do you think that explains the trauma before the trauma? Yeah, I think so. Yep. And we, we talk more about attachment in several other episodes because um, really, like you said earlier, it's like attachment wounds, our, attach, our insecure attachments drive all of this. And those are right. formed in the first couple years of life. So two to three years. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of how you've already kind of mentioned this, but the if the group is the same, it's more likely if there's toxic loyalty, it's more likely there's a homogeneous group. So the group is the same in either how they look, in the, um, the type of circle they're in, whether, you know, whatever demographic, whether it's a political circle or a certain type of thought or a certain type of religion. If there is a, the sameness in the group, 
there's much more fertile ground for this toxic loyalty to grow, Absolutely. fester, and really uh, trap people. Right. Because where there's, if it's not homogeneous, then there is different experiences, different perspectives. And it's hard to have toxic loyalty when people aren't willing mm. <laughs> to give up their experience. Mm. Like living overseas gives us an understanding of not just Thai people, but the European people that we meet here in Thailand, the people, the other Americans from the West Coast, from the East Coast, from North, the uh, the South, the Midwest, Korean so, people, yeah, um, Korean. People. Japanese, uh, like Chinese people, Australians. It's like, yeah, we've been exposed to so many cultures just by being not out of our own culture. So it makes it very difficult to convince all of those people's experiences to be false and that mine is real. So you have to believe mine. Mm. And so if you're willing to engage with people that whether they look different than you, think different than you, because in America, you can look the same, but you can be from like East Coast and West Coast. It's very different thinking. And so you can think the same, but have a very different experience. And um, it would be, uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I, I understand what you're saying. It would be very hard to convince, say you take 10 people in Thailand that live in the same place, but that are all from a different place and have different stories, different perspectives, different experiences, different beliefs, to try and convince them all to conform to one thought, to one system would be highly unlikely. But if you take uh, a community that all grew up together, that has a similar religion, that has a similar uh, culture, it's going to be much more likely to get them all to think a certain way and to go a certain direction right and that's what you see happening a lot of the time of course it's not 100 percent, but that's right. a big characteristic of how toxic loyalty takes root yeah exactly one of the things you said sorry no go ahead no go ahead one of the things you said i thought was so interesting is people need to be willing and now that's tricky because they're coercively conditioned to a certain system so that's involuntary that's on a that's on a deeper level of even conscious awareness sure but and I want to be careful because I want to be really trauma sensitive and abuse abuse informed right now because you don't know it until you know it you don't see the system you're in until your eyes are open to it and that often can take an outside source of you reading something or hearing something or someone saying, goodness, what you're saying just doesn't add up. I'm, I'm feeling some red flags about it. Um, for you to be able to look more um, accurately at your at the situation that you're in. To have a question of the system that you are engaging right. with. Totally. Like the fish who doesn't know they're in water, that type of thing. Um, yep. but, but also there is a small element or there's an element, I'm not exactly sure how it plays in, but of, of of willingness. So like you said, you get that group together of 10 completely different people with so many, such a variety of thoughts and diversity, and they're not going to be willing to give up what they've experienced to be true and what they know as their value, you know, they value and their freedom. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be willing to do that. And 
yeah, I guess I just like to explore more. There's a willingness when this happens to us, but understanding most of it is all of it is driven from the trauma before the trauma and the vulnerability and susceptibility that we have to a system or a relationship like this. Yeah. And I think the invitation is to be curious, to be open, questioning your commitment, questioning your thoughts, questioning what you say, questioning what you believe. Does it make you weak or show that you're wavering? There's actually, there's a strength in in questions. Yeah. And so the invitation is just, no matter what you believe, why do you believe it? And what would happen? And even the question of like, what would happen if I changed my belief? Mm. What would shift? Mm-hmm. What would you lose? Yeah. What is the threat? Because if the, the answer to that question could tell you whether there's toxic loyalty or not. Right. And the ultimate test is dif- differentiating from the group. And seeing what happens. And seeing what happens. That is the litmus test. Uh, Actually, there's a quote by um, Henry Cloud about the litmus test of relationships is, does does the group or the person only love your yeses? Because Mm -hmm. if they only love your yeses, that means they love your compliance, not really loving you. Right. So putting your no out into a relationship or a system and, and veering from where you're supposed to be will show you if there's toxic loyalty present or not. And it's a hard thing to do because or course of conditioning. Right. Right. Like you said, there will be backlash. There there will be, um, if that's present, there's going to be fallout from that. Absolutely. And that's, that is big. So we encourage you uh, to have a good support system separate from the system that you're questioning, separate from the relationship that you're questioning, a place to process, a place to really consider before you maybe put some hard lines down that may lead to significant backlash and exposure. Like you said early on, Luke, systems and people don't want to be exposed and your compliance keeps them covered up. But your questions open it up to the light and that's very exposing and very threatening. And there's going to be a reaction to that feeling. Yeah. That. And, and like, and there's, there's things in place to make sure that they can shut you down yeah. quickly and, and de, de, de value your opinion, your question, your challenge, your boundary. Yeah. That doesn't invalidate what you're feeling or what you're, what you're questioning. The questions yeah. that you're asking. Yeah, it's, and so we're talking a lot about that toxic loyalty. And I think we have painted a good picture briefly, but a good picture sure. of what that looks like. Yeah. So that toxic loyalty and that commitment, unwavering commitment looks like a healthy commitment because yes. I'm committed. I am not wavering. I have my, my all in. So how... That sounds nice. That sounds good. That sounds like commitment. Yeah. Unconditional love sounds great. Right. Right. So let's talk a little bit about now the other side of healthy commitment. What is healthy commitment? What does that look like? And yeah. why are, why would we encourage that healthy commitment 
and what are the maybe the benefits here? Right. I think the first word that comes to my mind that feels the biggest in that conversation is reciprocity. Hmm. Um, it's it's healthy commitment is two people or a person and a group, a system, I'll say. But let's for easy uh, explanation, we'll say two people. One person meets and the other person meets there. And in that place of both meeting, both wanting the best for the other, both being willing to, to listen and to understand and attune and compromise, both sacrificing if necessary for each other willingly, consensually, this is healthy commitment. Yeah. It's two people being totally in. Does that mean 50-50? Sometimes it's 40-60. Sometimes it's 55-45. Couldn't do the math there. Um, but it's a pattern, a consistent pattern of uh, equality and yeah. reciprocity. Yeah. And with that, intimacy, connection, really just really healthy attachment, secure attachment can be formed. That's like the that is the stuff of life, but that is the stuff of relationships when there's two people on the same page, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Are the needs being met or the value or benefits only one-sided? If it like, it should be equal. It should be uh, not one system or one person saying, you need to do this for me so that I'm happy or that that, so that the system functions so that it's like if i'm giving to this system or this person to only make it go forward right at the sacrifice of my health of my opinion of my beliefs of questions of my intelligence of my thinking then that's not that's not building you up that's only building right. one side up but if there's like you were saying, that mutual desire to build each other. So whether that's that system, it's like if you give into the system, the system also gives back to you. Not just in relationship or mm -hmm. being belonging. in belonging, right? But it actually helps you develop and grow and mm -hmm. fulfill your dreams. And that person, or if it's in a one-on-one -on -one relationship as you're supporting the other person, the other person then comes around and says, okay, how can I support you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My needs, my need, dreams, my desires are not the only thing that's important. Yeah. And, and it's a mutual uh, giving and taking. It's not, and it's also not you give first, then I'll give every right. time. Right. It's not uh, transactional. It's not transactional. Reciprocity is not transactional. Reciprocity is a choice to continue giving despite the other giving but but, but with <laughs> with reciprocity like um because a lot like again abuse and trying to be abused and foreign and trying informed there's going to be a desire you give no matter what mm -hmm. but is the other person giving right and that's where you see that toxic loyalty or or it's abuse right and i think the situations you're talking about are more like specific seasons where a woman has a baby yeah. and she's really not able to give much relationally, or she's not able to cook much or, you know, the things she normally loves you and she's not able to do, but you don't just stop giving because, oh, well, she's on pause. So I'm on pause. That's not right. Exactly. That's, that's, that's what I mean by right. giving, no matter what it's like, 
not the transactional, mm-hmm. but giving, yeah, in those situations where someone's sick, pregnant, just had a baby, transitioning. Right. In a hard, hard season for whatever hard season, Right. Yeah. There's nuance there. Mm-hmm. And so, so this is, these aren't prescriptions. These are, again, invitations and conversation. And I think that uh, reciprocity in a toxic, in a relationship where toxic loyalty reigns supreme, I think that it looks like uh, one person meeting in the middle and bringing their love, their attention, their care, their pursuit, they're trying to work it out, figure it out, all of that to the table, willingness, openness, and the other person coming to the table once in a blue moon, never coming to the table, running when the person comes to pursue, hiding, denying. There, there's so many ways that that can look like in a relationship, but basically they're not showing up. Yeah, You're showing up and they're not showing up. And that means on an emotional level, there's no such thing as a relationship that's just a physical, there shouldn't be a relationship where it's just a physical, we eat, we're business partners, you know, we live in the same house type of thing. Maybe we have sex, but there's not an emotional reciprocity. While we would say there's no, that you're an emotional being. So that is missing out. There's a massive missing out in that type of relationship. And that goes true for even a friendship. If there's only, if you're pursuing somebody and there's never a pursuit back, then there's an invitation of like, maybe look at that relationship. Yeah. And maybe there's not toxic loyalty, but maybe there's like a pressure mm-hmm. to pursue. Yeah. Like, well, no, they need to be loved too. It's not about me. It's about them. That's, that is a toxic message because you yeah. do matter. Yeah. Maybe the caveat to that would be, if it's not a friendship, but it's more of like a mentoring, like you're pouring into someone, sure. maybe working with someone who's recovering from an addiction and they really can't give you much relationally, but you have chosen right. There's choice to enter into that relationship, knowing that it's going to be pretty much one-sided, but because you want to care for them and you have boundaries and you know, you can get your needs met elsewhere. The same right. would be true with children. Right. Our children are not intended to um, to have the kind of reciprocity that we would have in an adult relationship, even though we long for that, that's not their role. That's not their job. And so, you know, there's these special relationships in life that we can look at and say, this is unique. This should not be a marriage. Yes. There is, I don't want to say no circumstance, but there's practically no circumstance where this is appropriate in a marriage because mm-hmm. that would just be abusive. Right. Um, and, and very damaging to your soul as a person um, to give, to show up, to meet needs, and to be left hungering and longing for more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, again, we, we mentioned like choice, agency, boundaries. If they have that mentoring relationship, you're choosing that I am entering in this relationship as a mentor or as a caregiver. Yeah not expecting my needs to be met but if it is a mutual peer-to-peer relationship or spousal spousal relationship it's like there's an expectation that we are meeting each other's emotional needs and if so if i give you give so that also means if you don't then there's a choice of being in that relationship or not that's right there's agency to choose and be empowered that this relationship is not meeting 
meeting what we agreed upon or what I expected. And so either we redefine it yeah. and say, let's, let's work on this and pursue it, or this is abusive and I no longer need to push, uh, put myself in this position and this relationship to continue to be used, manipulated, um, taken advantage of. Yeah. And so therefore I, I can leave this relationship. That makes me think of how certain messages of like covenant relationship and unconditional love that we learn, many of us, especially in faith traditions, we learn these things from very early on. And it is, it's intentional, I believe, to create a very uh, strong belief conditioning belief in marriage and while there's beauty to it to say it's a unique kind of love and it's it's committed and it's blah 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 it's also really dangerous because we grow up believing that because I've entered into a covenant with this person and before God I am I'm here for it no matter what I am going to lay down and I'm going to just take it because this is what I've decided to do in a covenant. You don't break a covenant. And even the thought of an unconditional love. Well, uh, I don't believe humans love unconditionally. Maybe your children, but even that there are limits to, I will always love my children, but if my children decide to be harmful, abusive people, I will create distance there and I will protect other people from them. And if my children go to jail for murdering 10 people, <laughs> these are really, this is a strong example. I, I love them, but it's different than what we think when we think of unconditional love. We think of still being in relationship and still reaching out and caring and doing all of these things. Well, I don't think that humans love that way. Maybe God does, but humans, uh, we love conditionally or we should love conditionally. We should love based on what, what we're being shown. And like you said earlier, when we were chatting about this before we were recording, like with the updated information that I have, am I still choosing to love this person in this relationship in this way? Because people change and people could become more harmful and a person that you don't want to continue to, to love in that way anymore I'm kind of babbling. Can you can you jump in with any? <laughs> no, you're doing great. I think, yeah, I, I think that choice means that with the information I have, I continue to move forward. And so, whether it's a system, and you realize, oh, there's new information, or I heard something new, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm not sure this fits in this box. I'm I want to choose. I want to make another choice. Yeah. And that's really important that with, as we get information within relationships that we have a choice and that a commitment or a covenant shouldn't supersede our safety, our like feeling like being treated like human beings. Right. Being when, in, a, in a relationship where there's reciprocity. And yeah. Connection. And there's just, I'm having a hard time because there's like, there's just so many ex, um, exceptions and, and trails that go down. My mind is kind of like 
going down all these different pathways of the importance of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the lies that we get fed so slowly, consistently that we don't, it's like being poisoned slowly over yeah. time. We just accept it or I mean, it, it's, I guess it's a form of brainwashing, really. And just the importance of that we, our desire is that people are in healthy relationships. Yes. And, and feel empowered yeah. to be in a relationship or to leave a relationship that is not healthy. Yeah. Because people are, are important enough and valued enough to be safe and to be treated well. And we see so much abuse, whether it's with a system or with a person where people feel stuck and they don't know why. And so the hope is just an invitation to our listeners as we've walked through a lot of these experiences of just being able to question, uh, being able to listen and being able to set boundaries like you were talking about, like with kids, we can love them. That doesn't mean there's not boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody would agree that boundaries are good. But once we get into a certain relationship or a system, it's like, well, no, we don't put boundaries there. Yeah, we justify why we're being treated the way we are. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm misunderstanding. Um, I'm human. I make mistakes too. They didn't mean it. That's not, they're good people. Look at all the good they've done. It's, we give these reasons. We want to just, we're not saying, uh, snap of a finger, just start putting up boundaries and leaving people. (laughs) But we are encouraging to think about it, to question relationships, question thoughts, question patterns, question uh, systems that you are engaging with yeah and try and determine if it if it is more of a healthy commitment or if it would fall into toxic loyalty not because not because you you know from an objective perspective try to Mm -hmm. look at try to put yourself in a position of someone else looking in to the relationship dynamics which is really hard because it's hard to think outside of our own subjective experience but if someone else looking in would be like, wow, this is not a healthy, healthy, balanced relationship based on reciprocity and agency and choice and boundaries. This is not that. And you know what, if you're not sure, if you feel so confused as you're asking these questions, like Luke's saying and being curious, bring along, bring in a trusted person to help you critically look through the evidence that's in front of you mm-hmm. with eyes that are objective and aren't so in it that yeah. haven't experienced the course of conditioning that haven't been slowly fed the 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 truth about quote air quotes truth about marriage being for life and mm-hmm. family being for life you can never put up boundaries with family because they're your blood and blood is thicker than water these things are culturally religiously um communicated since we were children and they're very very hard to go against so bring someone else into your situation to help you see more clearly because that 
extra set of eyes could be so life-giving to you. It could make such a difference in the clarity that you, you can gain. You can see this clearly, even if it feels like the foggiest, most confusing scene that you're looking out onto, it can clear, the clouds can subside, and you can see with really um, crystal clear clarity the reality of your relationships. Yep. And I wanted to mention the, the episode that we did um, with a friend of ours who shared her story. It is episode five of this season that we're in right now, domestic abuse and learning to live in reality. Mm-hmm. And hearing her talk about how much work it took to get to a place where she was living in reality, and then how she will not give that reality up for anything. Yeah. That seeing clearly means so much to her now because of how much blood, sweat, and tears it took for her to be able to see reality. Yeah. And healthy commitment can exist. Like mm-hmm. you and I have a healthy commitment, but I also know that there's a limit to that commitment. Yeah. If I'm abusive, if I am cheating on you, like you're like, sorry, yeah. I love you, but I'm not going to deal with that. Right. Yep. And that's, that's healthy commitment. Yeah. I remember walking- saying that, let me just jump in real quick. Cause you just made me think of, I remember saying that as a young married couple, we've been married now for 16 years, but I remember saying that earlier on, cause I was like, this um, hidden feminist that I didn't even know I was <laughs> yet. Um, but I remember saying like, I will leave you if you cheat on me. Mm-hmm. And I remember you like looking at me like, is she supposed to say that? <laughs> and I was saying that thinking, am I supposed to say this? I'm not allowed to say this, but I, I believed it. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was right, even though it didn't click with what I heard about it being a covenant relationship that you stick out and you work yeah. together no matter what. Um, but yeah. exactly. And you to me, if right. I, if I change and if I become harmful and abusive and unfaithful and unloving, you have the choice to leave as well. Right. And, and with that message, I'm not walking around saying, oh my gosh, is she going to leave me? When is she going to leave me? Right. And like, there's not an insecurity, like that boundary doesn't make our relationship weak or insecure or fragile. It's like, here's the boundary. Yeah. As long as you stay in this boundary, right. we're great. We'll have right. a great marriage, great relationship. Uh, we'll have reciprocity. But if you step out of this, I am telling you, I have a choice and I will use that choice. Yeah. And so just sharing that, because it can be scary to feel like every relationship is on the verge of losing it or you're leaving them or they're leaving you. And it's like, that is scary. Like Lauren is saying that um, cloud quote, when you say, no, people will leave you. Yeah. But that's not because you did something wrong or you just throw away a great relationship. It's because that relationship was really weak and it only depended on manipulating you. So they didn't really care for you and love you. They just wanted to manipulate you. So yes, they will leave. Then there will be other people that won't and those relationships will become stronger and you'll have new relationships that will take the place of the relationships that, that left yeah. in, in some way. Yeah. And so- there is, a, I validate and affirm those fears and that maybe that gut feeling that just happened in your stomach as you're listening to this or the tension that is normal. But like Lauren was saying with that episode five, our friend is not walking around. is like, Oh man, I'm just so broken. I can't believe I lost that relationship. It's like, mm-hmm. I've never felt more free right? because it wasn't a relationship 
it was abuse and manipulation that was actually ki slowly killing me. Yep. And the toxic, the, uh, the toxic loyalty and the course of um, conditioning was, was, was what was killing me. Yeah. Not leaving the relationship. Yes, that was hard. Right. But for, for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And like she said, she'll never go back and, and give up that freedom and yep. that empowerment. Yep. Because there is healing and she's becoming who she always wanted to be, mm -hmm. desires to be. There's empowerment here. There is. And likely you question, well, what even is a healthy relationship? Because when you're in something, you're being told this is what will be a good marriage. This is what is a good friendship or this is what whatever. But we're just here to tell you if you if you feel kind of in the dark about that, the healthy commitment side, like Luke said, is is so freeing. When you have those healthy, clear boundaries in a relationship, you can love and give and show up in such a beautiful free, willing, not obligation, just love. You can show up as your full self, which leads to the best kind of connection, the best kind of intimacy. Yeah, yeah, intimacy in any kind of relationship, not, not right. physical, although right. obviously that, that also would be improved. Um, but I just want, I just want to paint that picture of the, the healthy commitment side is the lines create the boundary lines and the clarity of this is this is that that person this is me we have our own opinions we have our own emotions and we can choose to show up and love one another uh, that is so empowering and if that's not what you've known we get it mm -hmm. it's like very much counter cultural in so many ways so you haven't seen that maybe yeah. And you're like, well, I can't even picture what that would be like. Well, we just want to paint that picture, cast that vision for you, that it's there, that it exists in friendships, in romantic partners, in families, in community settings. It exists and you can find it. And don't let yourself believe that you have to settle for this obligatory, lacking reciprocity, almost like servitude. Yeah. Like, I, I can't see it in better terms right now because my mind is just picturing like when you just have a relationship where you are obligated and forced essentially to show up and love them yeah. the way they want, although your needs aren't being met, it's like a form of, of servant. Uh, and, there, and there's shame and there's guilt and there's fear and there's never, you're never enough. You could lose their affection in a moment's time. Yeah. All of that. Yep. That's, that's toxic loyalty and yeah. the, the healthy commitment offers a beauty and a flourishing and a connection and an intimacy and a, not driven by guilt and shame of, right. am I good enough? Did I do it right this time? Did I do enough this time? It's just, there's an acceptance of who you are mm. is enough. What you think is good because you are good. Your, your brain is good. Your thoughts are good. But there's also that freedom to explore it. Like you may think something like, and I may not agree with it, but that doesn't mean that's wrong. And you may change your thought in three, three weeks, six years, because like new information, but it's not that when there's that healthy loyalty, it's like, I'm not 
threatened by a difference of thought. Right. I'm not threatened. My, my relationship isn't dependent on agreements. And so there's not that fragility of yeah. that fear of like, what if, what if she stops thinking that way or believing that way or saying those things or then a relationship has to fall apart because of that. No, right. there's, there's that freedom to be, to grow, evolve, change together and, yeah. and even in helping each other grow. That's right. Cause I don't know everything. So I need people to come in and say, Hey, this is my experience. Like mm -hmm. I only know what it is to be a white man living in the Northeast of America. That's my experience growing up. Mm -hmm. So for me to say that everybody should have, has that experience and should have that experience and have that same information is just, it's prideful. Yeah. And totally. so if I have somebody from Southeast Asia, from Europe, from Australia, from the West coast comes and says, Hey, this information is, is good. You should read this book. You should listen to this music. You should look at this art. You should think about this. I'm like, no, I can't. That's, I don't have that information before. So therefore I cannot accept it. Mm -hmm. It's so limiting yeah. to your own growth. Yeah. And, and even if you don't take all of it, there's might be pieces that like, oh, that's so helpful to see it from that perspective, to understand it from that way. And toxic loyalty says you can't do that. Right. And you're, you're highlighting a, a characteristic we didn't say, rigidity. Yeah. Systems and relationships of toxic loyalty will be rigid and unflexible and movable. So hopefully you got to that part because that was a gem right there. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I love sifting through it because it's, it's painting a better picture in our minds of this. Um, so any final thoughts as we wrap it up? I think that was a good, yeah, that was, that was good a good ending. ending thought of just how ha not having toxic loyalty can help us even grow as people because we can learn from each other yeah. and grow with each other and walk with each other and live with each other instead of yeah. being afraid of right. who you're going to make me be and how that's going to ruin me. And, right. and it's just like, no, we're all on a journey on, and in process. Yeah. And it, at 20 years old, I'm very different than I am at 36 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that number is starting to get a little higher. <laughs> it has a tendency to do that. Yeah, I know. It's weird. But like, I don't want to be the same person I was when I was 20. Right. So it would, I would be missing out on the people so that I've, I've met and learned yeah. from in the last 16 years. Um, the husband, the dad, the friend, the man I've been become in the last 16 years. And so I don't want to stop here. Yeah. Like I have not arrived. How, how could I think that I have arrived at 36 and I've, how much I've grown in the last 16 years that when I'm 50, I hope I'm not the same person I am at, at 50 or at 60. And at 60, I hope I'm not the same person I am when I'm at 70. The only way that I would be the same person is if I become rigid and stop learning and only learn from like-minded people yeah. who tell me to only do things one way. Yeah. There is safety and convenience in that, mm -hmm. but there's not growth and healing and yeah. adventure there. Right. So good. All right. That's, that is, that was fun. That it was, was good to be good to be back. Yeah, I look forward to, to seeing you next week as we do this. Oh. <laughs>
it's the, it's the first time we are in our new offices together, just the two of us too. Yep, besides the webinars. It's been great having this conversation and we hope it's been meaningful to you. Um, we'll share it, let us know your thoughts, let us know your questions about toxic loyalty versus healthy commitment. And um, we'll see you here next time for some more healthy, life-giving, growing content for your, for your journey. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.